0: If you have a copy of God's Word this morning, our passage is going to be Psalm 15. Our passage is going to be Psalm 15. Before we dive in, I would like to pray for us this morning. Father, we thank you for this day in which we can come and worship and open your word. We thank you for this country and the freedoms we have as we celebrate this weekend. Lord, may we use our freedoms as citizens of this land to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we use it to call people to repentance. May we not step back into the comforts of this earthly dwelling and remain silent. Lord, when you have given us in your providence the protections of this nation to use our voice. And so, Lord, may we not be a people who value our earthly citizenship more than our heavenly one. May we recognize that we've been given this earthly citizenship to spread the good news that Jesus saves. And so as we open up your word today, hold me fast in the truth, guard my tongue. May your people behold King Jesus, not me. May we be reminded again this morning that in you, O Lord, we lack nothing. And as we sing together, as we pray together, we open up Your Word together, may we be thankful for Your providence and provision for us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Psalm 15. Psalm 15. Starting in verse 1. O Lord, who shall, so, who shall sojourn in Your tent? Who shall dwell on Your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly And does what is right, and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue, and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest, and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. This is the word of the Lord. Psalm 15 comes right after a psalm that covers and says, the fool in his heart, the fool says in his heart there is no God in Psalm 14. and So this psalm we are looking at today is a call for the righteous one who walks blamelessly and upright. Psalm 15 to Psalm 24 begin and end this chiastic structure in the Psalms. A chiastic structure is one based on relation. And so for example in this case, Psalm 15 is similar to Psalm 24 and then Psalm 16 is similar to Psalm 23 and so on. They are similar in content. Psalm 15 and Psalm 24 are both about this holy king this righteous one. This is a psalm with five verses. It's, it's a shorter psalm. And it starts with two questions and then finishes with qualifications of this righteous king. And we know that this righteous king is ultimately Jesus Christ. Psalm 15 is a call for one to live in right standing before the Lord, entering into his presence. But did any of the kings of Israel or Judah meet this standard? No, they did not. Did David, the one who wrote this psalm, meet this standard? No, he did not. Do we meet this standard? Do we meet this standard? No, we do not walk blamelessly on our own accord. We have sinned against God, and one sin has cast us out of his presence. As with with many of the psalms, including this one today, it should not cause us to beat our chest and say, look at us. But rather, this is a psalm that should cause us to reflect and to examine ourselves before our Lord and also rejoice in our provision and salvation in Jesus Christ. We can dwell with our God in peace forever because of what Jesus has done. And so as we walk through this passage this morning, we have two points. Two points as we walk through this passage. The first is, who shall enter the Lord's presence? Who shall enter the Lord's presence? And for that, we will look at verse 1. Who shall enter the Lord's presence? And the second point is, who is the righteous one? Who is the righteous one? And for that, we'll look at verses 2 through 5. So to point number 1 this morning. Who shall enter the Lord's presence? Who shall enter the Lord's presence? Let's read verse 1 again. O Lord, who shall sojourn in Your tent? Who shall dwell on Your holy hill? So this psalmist, here he begins this psalm with two questions. Both of these questions begin with a phrase, Who shall... Who shall? Immediately, this psalm is one that should cause us to reflect upon the holiness of our God. It does not build up to that point. We cannot dodge it. We are immediately struck by it. As the psalmist has written this. the the phrase, Who shall? It should cause us to look upon all of its readers and hearers and reflect, Who can do this? Who can do this? Who can enter into His presence? Can anyone? If anyone can enter into His presence, who can remain? Who can remain? Sinful man cannot enter into the Lord's presence on our own. We can look at just a psalm before in Psalm 14 and recognize the state of man before a holy God. Scripture says in verse 3 of Psalm 14 that they have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none, there's none who does good, not even one. And the Apostle Paul quotes this verse in Romans chapter 3. So all of humanity, all of humanity is fallen because of sin. No one does good. And so this phrase, who shall, who shall, should cause all of us to reflect and weep that we cannot enter because of our sinful state. We cannot enter because of our sinful state. As this psalm continues on in verse 1, the phrases, sojourn in your tent and dwell on your holy hill, are appealing to the minds of Old Testament saints. These would have been phrases that would have been uh, brought these readers back to these events in remembrance Exodus chapter thirty three verse seven through verse eleven addresses this tent of meeting and in verse nine of exodus chapter thirty three scripture says when when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses so this tent was a temporary dwelling in which the Lord met Moses. In Exodus chapter 19, Moses went up on Mount Sinai, particularly in verse 20 of chapter 19, Scripture says, The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. So similarly to the tent, one going upon the mount to be in the Lord's presence would have been a temporary thing. As the psalmist is making this appeal of entering the Lord's presence in the tent of meeting and the holy hill, these were temporary dwellings. But the psalmist is pointing to something greater by the use of the words sojourn and dwell. Dwell is not a word used for the temporary, but a word that is lasting. When one dwells, they reside. That is their location, that is their residence. But because of our sin, because of our wickedness, we need to be changed. For us to dwell with the Lord, we need to be changed. Psalm chapter 5 verse 4 says, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. Evil may not dwell with you. And so this language used in Psalm 15 should again cause us to reflect upon our state and our need before the Lord. The holiness of God is offensive to dead men and women who love their sin. Our God is not like the one whom Lieutenant Dan says he made peace with him. God is not the offender. We have sinned. And so this peace is not just out there and we need to go claim it. The point of this psalm is that we are to ascend the hill. We are to ascend the hill and we cannot. We are unable because of our sin. And so the question before us remains, what sinful man dares to ascend the holy hill of the Lord? Psalm, chapter 24, verse 3 says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? So, beloved, who who shall ascend the hill? Who is worthy to dwell? The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. We see in Psalm, chapter 2, verse 6, Scripture says, As for me, I have set my king on Zion my holy hill. Beloved, this psalm is pointing ahead to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus can enter into the presence of God because He is sinless. And He remains because He is perfect. He is truly man and He is truly God. And as Jesus cried upon the cross, it is finished. It is finished. Salvation has been bought because of Him. And he ascended the hill in our place. And on that hill, on that hill, his blood was shed. So is Jesus worthy? Is Jesus worthy? Revelation chapter 5, verses 12 to 14 says, I know this is a longer passage, but this answers the question, is Jesus worthy? Revelation chapter 5, verses 2 to 14. Scripture says, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. our Lord Jesus is worthy he is worthy he is deserving of all worship and praise forever and because Jesus descended from heaven and he ascended Zion's hill taking the cross believers are now able to dwell and to come into the presence of our God and King a true faith in Jesus will lead to worship of him We will come into his presence with thanksgiving, knowing that we do not deserve it. We will enter his courts with praise, knowing our Lord should be praised above all. Those who do not follow Jesus in faith, he will cast out into eternal punishment. Where there will be no peace for the wicked. will be no peace for the wicked so who shall come into the presence of the Lord and dwell and remain those who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus those who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus I cannot plead with you enough if you do not trust in the Lord Jesus repent of your sin and come to him This is of eternal significance. This is not trivial matters. May He open up your eyes to see, ears to hear, to behold Him in faith, to glory in what He has done for you. Who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? Those who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those who have confessed Jesus, be reminded of what we have in our true prophet, priest, and king. We will be with our God forever, dwelling with him because of what Christ has done. And so we are to rejoice. Jesus is Lord, he is worthy. He is worthy. As we continue on in this psalm, it leads us to our second point this morning. Point number two. Who is the righteous one? Who is the righteous one? Let's read verses two through five again. He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart and does not slander with his tongue, does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money and interest, and does not take a bribe against the innocent, he who does these things shall never be moved. This psalm is unique because it has started, started by giving us this answer in verse Verse 1. As we continue to, to walk through these these verses, may we reflect upon the goodness of our God by His provision in our Lord Jesus. This is a psalm that should lead us to know our need before our Lord and then rest in what He has done. So, spoiler, this is about Jesus. This is about Jesus. This is pointing to Jesus. But as believers are changed and have been given new hearts we are people who are to live differently from the world as believers are being conformed to the image of the son by the help of the spirit these following characteristics should be markers for christians as well and so the psalm move, moves the psalm moves from uh, the questions in verse 1 to then lay out the qualifications of this righteous one in verses Two through five. And so, over the rest of this psalm, it goes from listing a few positive qualifications to a few negative, then a few positive, then again to a few negative. And this portion of this psalm is also quoted in Isaiah chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. And so, the first phrase we have in these verses. Is he who walks blamelessly and does what is right, or upright in everything, this one does, and speaks truth in his heart. This is, this, uh, is a similar phrase used in Psalm 24, verse 4. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully, So, one who loves holiness, one who loves holiness and who abhors or hates sin. This is the description of this first phrase loving holiness, hating sin. This one does not seek to abide in their sin. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers? So in Psalm chapter one verse one, we are made aware of this progression of sin and and counsel of wickedness. We see how the psalm uh, psalmist says, "Walk not, nor stands nor sits." so as one continues in sin, it's a progression of loving wickedness this does not happen overnight but it shows that sin that is not killed can make room in our lives if it goes unchecked and so this act this aspect of blameless here in this first phrase is a is a love is a love for what is right and hating wickedness hating evil not desiring For it to continue to dwell in our hearts. And by the phrase speaking truth in his heart, this is the complete opposite of Psalm chapter 14, verse 1, that says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. Right? This this fool has abandoned the truth. But this righteous one has spoken the truth. It is who this person is. They do not desire to lie, but to tell the truth in all respects. This is not someone who lies to gain. It's an an indictment upon our society that there are people who can have various positions of service and lie, who can bear false witness, and they gain by their lies. It is not an honorable thing for any of us in our places of of employment If if we say we are going to do said work and then we do not follow our word. We should be people of integrity and our yes should be yes and our no should be no. What an overnight change it would be if the church of Jesus Christ would actually follow their word with deed. Since we confess that we value the womb We follow up in caring for babies and families in foster care, adoptions, pregnancy centers. That's just one example. But this phrase, speaking truth in his heart, is not a matter of convenience, but of conviction. We want to hold fast to the truth no matter the cost. No matter the cost. Even if it means we don't have a seat at the table of cultural acceptance. is okay because we are people of integrity and we have been approved by the Lord of all creation and so let us be people with integrity in word and in deed this next phrase used in verse 3 is who does not slander with his tongue slander is cutting with words words that are untrue with the intent to harm Leviticus chapter 19 verse, six, verse 16 says you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. In describing the wicked, the psalmist in Psalm chapter 10 verse, verse 7 says, his mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression, under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. Many of us are familiar with James chapter 3, which addresses the tongue. James chapter 3 verse 5 says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So beloved, slander has no place among the saints. Slander has no place among the saints. We are not a people who speak untruths or use our words to harm. In the book of 3 John, we are given the example of Diotrephes, who is talking wicked nonsense about the Apostle John and others. And the slander and wicked talk of Diotrephes is causing division in the body. So slander, slander does not build up, but it cuts. It cuts down. And oftentimes when we are hurt by actions, it is easy for the tongue to be used for slander. But we must remember our Lord. When he was reviled, he did not give in to slander, but took it. He took it. In Matthew chapter 27 and verses 27 to 33, before the the crucifixion, the soldiers took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they stripped him and mocked him and placed a crown of thorns upon him, saying, Hail the King of the Jews. He took the mocking and slander even upon the cross. But Jesus responded by saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The Lord did not give in to the slander of the people. How many times when we have been faced with various things have we used words that cut or harm or bring about slanderous accusations? Our Lord did not. Our Lord did not. And so slander has no place among the people of Christ. This verse continues on with the phrase, does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. Similar to the phrase regarding slander, this one is not unjust, but continues to speak the truth. It is who the righteous one is. Christians are not to be a people who speak in obscurities or say one thing and do another. But we are to be people of integrity. And these are characteristics that cannot be faked. They overflow from the person that has been changed by the Lord. And since this psalm ultimately points to Jesus, this is who he is. This is who he is. But for the believer that has been changed, these should mark our lives as well as we are growing in sanctification by the help of the Spirit. Continuing on in verse 4, the phrase, In, whom, in whose eyes a vile, a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not charge. This is continuing to expound, expound upon righteousness the one who dwells in sin, loving the way of the wicked, this this vile person is despised. And so this is a righteous rebuke because of the promotion of wicked and evil things before the Lord. This is again another avenue in which the culture and Christ's people are at a crossroads. Will we be people Will we be a people who are exposed to vile ways in our culture? Then accept them and even promote them? Or as Christ's people, will we hold fast to the word? Will we hold fast to the word? As I've reflected upon this text and the culture's promotion of wickedness around us, when we become loose with the scriptures, the culture has won. When we come loose with the Scriptures, the culture has won. It is not the duty of the state to promote holiness. That is the call of Christ's bride. We live in a generation that churches across this land have more of a fear of the culture than a fear of the Lord. And when one who fears the culture one who fears the culture they're going to accept wicked living if not immediately then over time and they will end up promoting it we are not called to live vile lives but rightly rebuke wickedness if we are people who fear the Lord now as the psalmist continues with the phrase but who honors those who fear the Lord We understand that this is not who we are naturally. It is not in our fallen nature and state to fear the Lord rightly. Something has been changed in us as His people. We've been given a new heart with new desires that hate our sin and love our King. By one being born again, we desire to rightly fear the Lord. And last week, John preached on Psalm chapter 34 and verse nine, it says, O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. For those who fear him have no lack. Fear of the Lord is a theme throughout wisdom, literature, and scripture. The book of Proverbs, chapter one, verse seven says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so for the Christian, it is right for us to fear the Lord to be in awe of Him to be in awe of who He is and if we fear the Lord rightly we will not fear our culture we will not fear our culture I'm not saying that there is not a cost to obedience to Christ in our day but what is of the utmost importance what is eternal the values of our day are fleeting and frail but our king and his kingdom is forever, and so our priorities in this life should be reflecting what we confess about Jesus Christ. We are to love our king as we live in a world that is hostile to him. We fear our Lord above all, and continuing on in the psalm by this phrase swears to his own heart this righteous one simply this righteous one does not live for his own benefit he's not living this righteous one is not living for his own benefit And so verse 4 should cause us to rightly check our lenses from which we view the world from time to time are we living for God's glory among the nations resting in his providence and rightly fearing him or do we fear our culture do we fear our culture? As this psalm concludes in verse 5, this righteous one does not put out his money and interest, nor does this one take a bribe against the innocent. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 19 says, you shall not charge interest on loans to your brother. And Exodus 23, verse 8 says, you shall, not take, a, uh, you shall, you shall take no bribe for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. And what does this summarize for us? This righteous one's convictions are not bought. This one cannot be bought. This one acts with clarity and precision because one is not blinded by a bribe. As we look at Jesus from Matthew chapter 4, Satan says, uh, Satan says to Jesus, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Now, did Jesus give into to the temptation of his bribe? No, he did not. He responded by saying, you shall worship the Lord your God and, and him only shall you serve. So Jesus being truly man and truly God did not give into temptation He did not give into a bribe, but remained faithful in our place. He is the righteous one. And as the the psalmist concludes with this final phrase, he who does these things shall never be moved. Psalm chapter 10, verse 16 says, The Lord is king forever and ever, his kingdom is forever. And so as nations rise and fall, His throne remains. He is not moved by the tides of our culture. For He is righteous and He is just. And in His sovereign will and providence, all things, all things will give an account to Him. And so as we, as we walk through this psalm, we are awestruck. We are met immediately with the holiness of God in verse 1. It's two questions should immediately cause us to reflect on who shall enter into the Lord's presence. And then the rest of this psalm addresses who this righteous one is to be. This psalm pointed ahead to Jesus Christ who lived blamelessly, spoke truth, and is truth. He did not slander he did no evil. He honored the Father and he did not take a bribe. This righteous one, the Lord Jesus, by living a sinless life, is the one who can die a perfect substitutionary death in the place of sinners. And this he did. This he did when he ascended the hill. He ascended the hill with his cross. He would bear for us. And on that hill, on Zion's hill, He shed His blood as a ransom for many. So that those who come to Him in faith will be redeemed of their sin. So who can come into the presence of the Lord? Who will dwell forever with our triune God in the new heavens and the new earth? Those who have been made righteous by Jesus. For He is the righteous one and He gives His righteousness to those who come to Him in faith. Beloved, we only get one life and it will soon pass. Only what is done for Jesus Christ will last. Let us pray. Father, as we sing and as we are about to partake of the Lord's table may we rest in the finished work of Jesus and may we we reflect upon this psalm Lord we have sinned and we cannot dwell in your presence on our own accord Jesus suffered in our place the righteous one suffering for the unrighteous so that those who come to him in faith will be given Christ's righteousness Lord if anyone is not trusting in Jesus this morning open up their eyes to see open up their ears to hear to behold him in faith To see Him as glorious. To see this world as fleeting. And Lord, for us who believe in Jesus, may the gospel shape the way we live in this world. This is not our home. We are longing. We are longing To dwell with our King forever in the new heavens and new earth. And so, as we leave our gathering this morning, may you strengthen us as we share the gospel in our community and as we support efforts around the globe. Lord, we long to see your churches full. Continue to draw people to yourself for your glory for the good of your bride. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we consider what is required for us to come before a perfectly holy God and we turn our attention to Christ at the table, I'd ask you to stand and let's sing together another song that won't be on the screen but it's in your hymnal, number 179, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus."